Local businesses deserve local decision-making, and that's why Oconee State Bank is proud to announce that Philip Edwards and Chad Thomason will be leading the loan production office for the athens Clark County area. With strong market knowledge and accelerated decision-making, Chad and Philip can help area business owners, entrepreneurs, developers, doctors, and others move quickly to respond to opportunities. Let your business experience remarkable this year with Oconee State Bank, OconeeStateBank.com, member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Beyond the Cupola, presented by Oconee State Bank. At Oconee State Bank, experience remarkable. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to Beyond the Cupola, brought to you by Oconee State Bank. I'm Mike Salmon. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio here in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. And on this show, we love to experience remarkable, and we always have some remarkable guests. And joining us uh, this week is Mark Pryor. He's with M1 Strategic Capital. And, uh, Mark, thank you for joining us here in the studio. Thank you for having me. And uh, you are uh, you, you work with o- – well, you're not, you don't work for Oconee State bank but you do business with them talk about the relationship that you have with the bank so for a number of years uh, the president ceo neil stevens and i have had a a working relationship and a personal relationship now as well but uh, early in my entrepreneurial career uh, neil was at another bank and took a pretty good risk on me and uh, what i would think uh, put us in a position to be successful and so i've continued that relationship with neil today I think when someone takes a risk for on your behalf, you're probably going to be loyal to them for, I mean, the rest of time. There's no question about that. And, uh, and, and Neil's one of the best in the business as well. I agree. Uh, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship today and, and starting a business. And before we do that, just give us a, a brief background about M1 Strategic Capital. Just want to find out what you do on a day-to-day basis. So really, we have two business lines, two primary things we focus on. The first is we're in a joint venture with a large private equity firm that we really focus on purchasing uh, purchasing debt obligations. Someone else has made a loan, whether it's a financial, whether it's a bank or a uh, private lender, and for whatever reason, that particular instrument no longer fits their portfolio. Uh, we will analyze it for a very specific, narrow criteria that we want to use it for. Uh, it allows us to help them with their balance sheet, meaning if there's something on their balance sheet that's causing them some form of stress, Uh, It could be financial, it could be regulatory, it could be just the way that that the particular note, the particular loan is focused on their books. Um, We take that off for them if it fits our criteria. It gives them a balance sheet enhancement, and it allows us to uh, provide really good returns for our own investors. Uh, The second thing we do is we're a technology-enabled servicer uh, for the financial institutions. We help them with data analytics, we help them with portfolio management, and we help them with a third-party underwriting service for uh, the various things they do to help leverage what we do to keep them from adding lots of costs and to be more efficient with their data and information and understanding where they're going and where they are. That's a lot of information it right is, there. It is. I was talking fast. But you're passionate about it, and that's one of the things that you've got to have to be successful. And we're going to talk about that later on in the show. Um, but uh, also talk more about you. Talk about where you've come from and, and how you got to where you are today. So I really started my entrepreneurial career 15 years ago. I was working for a Fortune 500 company at the time. Uh, I had gone to business school out in California, and a couple of my classmates and I decided for our project we were working on a fund concept of how we take debt and monetize that. 
and you know sometimes it's great to be passionate maybe not know what all the pitfalls are but we stepped out and had some success with that left the job at a fortune 500 company. if you knew where the pitfalls if you knew about pitfalls you wouldn't have even tried though that's the great uh, yeah. thing when you're young. You, you, you don't you're you think you're invincible and you don't think of those things. It is it is true. And, uh, you know, while there's an element of luck in it, often good planning and understanding is really, really critical to it. But uh, we had some, uh, some success in that field. One of the things we developed was technology around that to help us assess portfolios, what we consider better than our competitors. Um, and had an opportunity to begin commercialize that technology. And it's really, for me, evolved over the years and in some ways come full circle where we do both portfolio management but also acquisition of debt again, uh, having learned lots of great lessons how we can refine those models and move into a way that is not just helpful to our investors but helpful to our clients as well. How does a kid from Madison, Georgia, end up in school in California? Uh, I was working for a company on the West Coast, and they sent me to an executive program at Pepperdine, which is in Malibu, and people would joke that maybe there was some kind of special program from a guy from rural Georgia to go there. But uh, From was, Ma- Madison to, to Malibu. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's not right, too bad. Two, that's right. Uh, Mark Pryor, of course, is your name, and we, you told me a funny story because uh, sports fans know that there was a very, very famous pitcher for the Chicago Cubs with the same name, same spelling of last name, P-R-I-O-R, and you were telling me a pretty funny story uh, about the, having the same name as a famous pitcher. It is funny. Well, I have about a 35-mile-an-hour fastball, so if you saw me <laughs> throw the ball, you would know that's not me. Uh, but the, uh, when he was early in his career at Chicago, it was my last year working for a big company, And I flew into the Chicago Midway Terminal uh, on the corporate plane, and my name was on the Hertz board. And there were at least 70 people gathered around the Hertz counter because it was the same time he had signed at Chicago and he was coming. And there's uh, you talk about having to have thick skin. There's nothing worse than walking up and people realizing you're not somebody and walking off with shoulders slumped. <laughs> you just disappointed 70 people. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I mean, you kind of got you, know, you go up to the counter and go, I'm, I'm Mark Pryor, and you, you almost want to whisper it. That's exactly right. G- goodness gracious. All right, so, so you know something about growing a business and, and building a business. And, and we have a lot of entrepreneurs and, and young business owners out there uh, that listen to Business Radio X. What are maybe some of the traits that a successful entrepreneur has to have? Listen, it, it, for me, it's, it's you first have to be passionate about what you're doing. If you don't believe in it, if you don't wake up and think about it and go to sleep thinking about it, it, it's, it requires a level of dedication to an idea and then a product and then what it is you're doing and a strong belief in that. If you don't have that, it's a very difficult road for you. So the very first thing for me is you've got to be wildly passionate about what you're doing. Don't do it for just the money. No, no, absolutely not, because there's always risk with anything involved. But if you really believe in what you're doing, uh, I think we were talking about this earlier, is that the harder I work and the more I believe in something, the more successful I'm going to be. And it really does require that passion first. I think resiliency is very key, and I talk about this with people all the time. It's that it doesn't matter that you get knocked down. It's going to happen. Whether you're working for somebody else or in an entrepreneurial environment or in school, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have great difficulty. You've got to have the ability to pick yourself up, stop focusing on what went wrong, maybe learn lessons from it, and drive on to the next day. If you don't do that, it is uh, very difficult to be successful in an entrepreneurial environment because I assure you, on a daily basis, it's going to require resiliency. It's going to require you to get back up. And if I can interject there too, Mark, for me in my past as an entrepreneur as well, I have learned more from when I've been rejected or knocked down than when things are going smoothly. There's no question about that. The lessons we learn yeah. about ourselves and about what it is that we're going to do are really not learned when we're successful. They're really learned when we're not successful and how we respond to that. 
Uh, I think you have to be self-assured. I think you have to uh, kind of goes back to that thick skin and resiliency. But really, you have to believe, be so passionate and be so resilient that you have to be self-assured about what it is you're doing. You're going to get told no a lot of times as an entrepreneur in any endeavor, but as an entrepreneur particularly, is that you're going to get told no over and over and over. You've got to get to yes with somebody, and you've got to get to yes somehow. Uh, if you're not self-assured, that's never going to happen. You have to continue to believe in it, not have your shoulders slumped, keep your head up, keep your eyes up, and keep driving forward. And, and if I can use a sports analogy because of my sports background, it's like uh, being an, a, a football player in the NFL. There's, I, I think, 32 teams in the NFL now. You just need one team to say yes. One te- you, know, you, you may get 31 no's, 31 teams that want nothing to do with you. They don't draft you. You just need one team to, to draft you. I could not agree more. But those kinds of things, are, they're always great stories. My favorite stories aren't always of the people that have absolute great ability, whether in business or athletics. It's the people that fight really, really hard. I think as a culture, we like that. We like an underdog that makes good and goes forward and drives on, and that's all about being self-assured. Frankly, it's all about being passionate and resilient as well. Um, I think another trait I'd really focus on is flexibility. Is It, it kind of ties into other ones, but markets change, conditions change, whether it's your capital source, whether it's your client base. You have to be flexible enough to move with that, to understand that you have a vision and where you're going, but that if there are changes, you're not going to hold on so hard to the way you're doing Always the buggy whip analogy, right? The guy who made the buggy whips held on really long, the last guy, and <laughs> there wasn't anything left when the car came on. Uh, is it that really that ability to say, I have to pivot here, I have to be ready to move with what the market conditions are or the internal, internal conditions are, one of those two things. And uh, the final thing I'd say is vision. It, it goes ties into the, all the other things again, but you have to see where it is you're going. You have to be able to say, uh, I know what the market is, I know what the mi- macro environment is, I know what the micro environment is, and I know how to take advantage of that. I know how to take my passion and apply it to this marketplace. And I know how to articulate it to others. If you cannot sit across from somebody in an entrepreneurial environment and convince them of what you're doing is the right thing to do, it's going to be difficult for you. You ought to be able to have a conversation with anyone, and at very least they understand that you have vision and that you're passionate. The other stuff is a little bit internal, but they really need to be able to project that. And, and even, Mark, if, if what you want to do and that vision sounds crazy – because years ago with, with uh, Gates and Microsoft and all that where the vision was, and I remember as a kid, the vision was that, that there's going to be a computer on everybody's desk. Yeah. And back then, computers took up a whole room. But they, they stay, they, as crazy it sounded back then, and now you, you can't go by any desk that doesn't have a, a, a laptop or a desktop computer on it. There's no question. And, and entrepreneurship, I mean, my own personal experience with that was when I stepped away from a, what people consider a very good job at a, at a big company. Uh, family, friends, my wife, you know, lots of people looked at me like, are you sure? And it, I was very passionate about where I was going and what I was doing, so I was able to convince them and myself, and it, it worked out. And you got to have that passion, and that was the first thing you said, because the 40-hour work week will no longer exist. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's like I said, wake up thinking about it and go to sleep thinking about it. A 40-hour work week seems like a vacation <laughs> right. when you when you become an, right. an entrepreneur. That is when you're on vacation. You're still working, but you're you know taking... 16 hours a day off. So, so you, you got five key traits you talked about, passion, uh, resiliency. Uh, resiliency. Uh, you got to be self-assured, uh, flexible, and, uh, and have that vision. But to do anything these days, you got to have money. What are some of the obstacles that entrepreneurs face when they're trying to, to get things financed? I think it's one of the things that people critically overlook. I mean, if your passion sometimes will wash out the idea of what it's actually going to cost to get there. And every endeavor costs money. 
and every endeavor costs more money than you think it's going to. And uh, if, if, if you go into it understanding that uh, and be able to source capital in a way that allows you to be successful, I think you have to, for me, the things I learned about that I didn't really understand when I first stepped into it was the biggest thing is if you take on equity, if you take on outside investors, you better be ready for a big part of what you're doing is to manage that investor base and manage their ex expectations. You're bringing on people while your goal would be to keep a majority interest and controlling interest. You're still going to have people that outside of clients that are going to require you to tell them what's going on. Uh, and that's not always easy for people. You know, your head's down working very hard, and you have to focus on that. It's not just, uh, it's not just an inequity scenario. If you take on leverage, you're going to have a financial institution, a bank, that's going to require reporting. You're going to have to be ready to pull off. Now, part of that is very good for you because what it uh, requires you to do, and, and in an earlier venture I had a group of investors that were great about this, is what they wanted from me was once a month to pull my head up and to spend two hours thinking about, where we, instead of tactically just trying to get stuff done, make payroll, get clients to pay you, uh, add new clients, instead of doing those things to pull your head up and think, okay, we had a strategy or how do we get back to that? So I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to understand that you're taking on, if you take outside capital, you're taking on something else. You're also taking on dilution. You're taking what you've created and you're giving parts of it away to people for money, but you're giving parts of it away. So at the end of the day, uh, you'll have less of that pie. Um, but uh, oftentimes you can't get from A to B without it. And if you're undercapitalized, it can kill your business. So it's, you know, the, the, what I've said to people often, and I, this has the added benefit of being true, is that being overcapitalized is way better than being undercapitalized. Yeah. And uh, it allows you to get from A to B. You know, the other thing about finance, and I learned this going through it, is it's very easy to spend every dollar like it's your last dollar in an entrepreneurial environment. There's a balance, though. There's a tendency to pull back and say, I'm not spending money on anything because we're burning cash, we're pre-revenue or we're early revenue. But if you're not hiring the right people, if you're not investing in the right sorts of tools for your business, if you're not investing in the right kind of marketing, then you're never going to get to where you're going. So it's a balance. It's a balance of how do I keep from running out of money, but how do I spend money wisely? And so there is an idea of spending every dollar wisely, but not every dollar like it's your last dollar. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, finding capital as well. It's always nice to have somebody that's in a position that uh, can help you with capital that believes in your mission and, and your, your vision. Uh, you know, you, you talked about, you know, Neil Stevens, early, you know, many years ago. It's to, to have someone like that, that that's, that's priceless. I think you have to find you know, there's no real blueprint for most people in how to go get capital. And there's all sorts of capital. There's, you know, everything from angel stage to, to banks to your own personal assets that you put into it, uh, how you manage and go through that. But you're absolutely right. Finding somebody who can be an anchor for you in that. And I would also advise people not just to get capital, particularly in an equity environment, but to get help as well. Someone that invests in your company but can give you, whether it's market advice or product advice, some kind of advice relative to what you're doing that helps. You want additive capital is what I call it. It just means that you're, you're way beyond where you would be if you just took money from somebody. Great advice. Our guest is Mark Pryor with M1 Strategic Capital. This is Beyond the Cupola brought to you by Oconee State Bank. And a reminder that you can listen to this show every Thursday at 1 o'clock right here on Business Radio X. But uh, as we talk about entrepreneurship, you've got all the traits now that we talked about, the five traits. You, you found that capital. You've got your Neil Stevens in your back pocket, if you will. <laughs> um, but you got to have a plan. 
How do you come up with that strategy? And what are maybe some tips that you would offer? So strategy formulation, it's always interesting to me, is that uh, I had a professor in business school say that you can rent a strategy, but you've got to be able to execute it. So I think the really important thing when formulating a strategy, and strategy to me is your longer-term vision, is you know, your roadmap. Where do, where, where do I want to be? And, and that goes back to that basic old saying, but that no one fails, no one plans to fail, but they fail to plan. That's right, that's right. You, so you, you have to have that roadmap. You have to have it. You have to understand where you're going uh, and how you're going to get there. Now, I always think of how you're going to get there as a tactics to go with that, you know, everything from ex- you know, all the execution pieces, which is critically important. But your strategy has to be realistic. You have to be able to say, I'm capturing X amount of market share or we're getting this product X amount of places, uh, and then tactics tell you how you're going to do that. Uh, and you have financial strategy, and you have operation strategy, and you have market strategy. All those things really require you to do a scan of both the macro environment, what's around you that you really can't control, and the micro environment, the things you can control. What's my human capital? What's uh, what's my uh, what's my re- uh, financial capital? What are the things that I have that in my toolbox succeed? What are my own personality traits that are going to help me? execute on a strategy and formulate that strategy. Uh, but I think it's really important, too, that you have within your strategy an ability to understand that it's executable, that you can actually go out and execute on that strategy and make it happen, which requires a dose of realism. And when you have passion, sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes when you have a lot of passion about something, it's very easy to go the opposite way and be so blue-eyed that you think that uh, you can, you know, I'll capture 55% of market share. How are you going to do that? I don't know. I'm going to do it because I'm better than other people. That doesn't always work out. It's, uh, you know, have very realistic goals that will make you successful, financially successful as a company. And realize you're going to have a lot of speed bumps along oh. the way. As, as another sports analogy, as Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until you get punched <laughs> in the face. Exactly right. And it's true. It's very true. Well, that's and that goes then to going back to your roadmap and analogy is that you, sometimes things will come up and you may have to pivot. When do you know it's the right time to make that change? So it is, and that's an interesting question and something I didn't understand very well going into it. To me, strategy was concrete. I really thought of strategy as this thing that you did. Uh, that you you set can't wave, don't yeah, waver from no, the course. To me, where strategy really becomes a point on the map, you really think about it as where I want to go. Now, I, I, and the analogy I sort of think and use now is that if you're if it's 1633 and you're trying to navigate to the new world and you're in a sailing ship, I guarantee you're going to run into storms and things you didn't anticipate. Your goal is the new world. Your goal is some point on that map, somewhere along the coastline, uh, roughly where you want to go. And you've pointed yourself that way. But when things occur and happen, whether it's a change in the market, uh, your market has moved away from you, in some sort of way, there's been a macro change that you can't affect, but there are ways you could pivot to move back to that market, to get what you're doing back to that market, is that you have to have flexibility within a strategy. You have to reassess and scan it all the time, is that a strategy is not static. It's constantly the idea of, okay, we formulated this thing. How are our resources applying to where we're executing? Do we need to restate our goals? Um, with the idea that you're always going to the same point, the general point, but how you're getting there is going to change because external and internal factors change all the time. I want to ask you a question that you probably weren't expecting me to ask. All right. So you, you've got the strategy and you're, you're, you're moving and your head's down and, and you're working hard. When will you know, let's not all plans and businesses are going to work and maybe you have the greatest idea but it's just not gonna make it 
when do you know when to say, you know what, I, it's just not going to work anymore? When, when, when do you know when to stop? Well, I haven't gotten there yet, but I can tell you that uh, I have been in a business uh, that required such a pivot that I really had moments where I thought, is this time to move on to something else? Yeah. And, and I think that point, now look, obviously, if you're out of money, that's probably the right point. But I don't think you let it get there. I think for me, the idea was to be flexible enough to say, we're in a market, a very particular market, and that market moved away. The market was we had technology-enabled services going into the distressed debt market. Now, if you recall 2008 to 2012, 2013, there was a lot of that in the marketplace and didn't feel like it was going to get unwound anytime soon, and we built our business around that. The pivot we had to make was you know what, we better widen this out and say we're going to do portfolio management. We're going to do analytics. And all the guts were there, but it's very hard to see that. To your point, if you're passionate about something, knowing when to sort of raise your hand, sometimes you just don't. Sometimes you say, and I had a friend of mine who put it very well about going into entrepreneurship. He says you have no plan B. He says if you step into it and you only have a plan A, and that is succeed, that you know, that point may come, it may, it may come for lots of businesses to go under, and there's lots of reasons they do and lots of things, uh, lots of things that happen that do. But I do think if you have those, those factors we talk about with entrepreneurship, you'll find ways to keep that from happening, even if it requires a hard pivot, even if it requires you to move into a market you didn't anticipate moving into. Because you don't have a plan B, that's what you have to do. Yeah, And you're going to question yourself oh, yeah. many, many times. Or your family might question you. You know, you're, yes. <laughs> you'll get questioned. That makes it even yeah. harder. Yes, I have developed much thicker skin over the last 15 years or so in, uh, in managing and working in an entrepreneurial environment. So, Mark, someone's listening to us talk about this, and they're thinking, why in the world would I want to be an entrepreneur? Why, you know, and it's got to be in your yeah, DNA because yeah. there are some people that are very happy working for somebody else, knowing they're going to get their paycheck twice a month or whatever, and they're, they're okay with that. But, but I think you have to be a little, maybe a little crazy yeah, I agree to, to be an entrepreneur. I agree. I think, uh, I think to your point, most of the world is made up of people, uh, what you talked about, that they, they don't want to step out, and that's perfectly okay. I, frankly, I was there for a number of years. I felt like, uh, uh, to me, I had kind of a corporate career path and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And uh, once you move out into it, uh, you do have to be ready for lots of people questioning you, and you have to be ready for uh, an idea of pushing self-doubt aside. If self-doubt enters your head, you have to find ways to push that out, to say, going back to that, I don't have a plan B. This is what I do. This is who I am. It's easy when you're in a big company to go, I'll just go get another job. That once you take on capital, that becomes less and less of an option uh, for you. If you have your own assets at risk, or you don't have your own assets at risk other than uh, maybe some career risk when you're working for somebody else. But when you're out here, you have your own assets at risk. Having said that, though, what you said was, why would somebody do that? And the <laughs> answer to me will always be because you're creating something. That at the end of it, you can look back and put your hands on it and say, that didn't exist before I thought of it, and that didn't exist before I put everything I had into it to make it su successful. And if that gets you up in the morning, if the idea of creating something better than what you had yesterday that's lasting, that makes change in some kind of way, and it may be a small way, but, hey, it, it's a change, and you created it. To be, If you really get your kicks, less about how much money you make, that will come if you work hard, and more about that I made something, that it's mine and I identify with it, then assess if you have these characteristics, assess if you have the right idea, and take that chance and move forward would be my advice. 
It sounds like the rewards and the highs of the high are, are <laughs> higher than the, the lows of the low. Oh, well, I, I, yes. I always think about it this way. Working for a big company, if you have a scale of 1 to 10, your highs and lows bounce between 0 and 3. Uh, because what you really have at risk is your career. When you're an entrepreneur, your highs and lows bounce between 0 and 10. And sometimes you know, before noon, they've done it three or four times, is that you move rapidly between this uh, almost an adrenaline junkie kind of thing where you're moving from, hey, oh, my gosh, how am I going to make this work, to I'm a certified genius kind of thing. It, ru it runs a gamut all the time of what, of what goes on in your own head. And a lot of these are internal battles, but it requires that resiliency and emotional intelligence that probably isn't as – certainly working for, a big, working for somebody else requires those things, but it has to be much more finely attuned, all those emotional, emotionally yeah. intelligent things you have to think about. And I would think a lot of it can be addictive because you hear about people that create wonderful businesses and then they've, they've done it. Now what do I do? Yeah. And they'll go ahead and they do it again. That's right. Sir, yes, uh, serial entrepreneurs. And uh, I don't think I quite have as much of a bug of that, but I do think I do completely understand of building something and being able to look back and go, that, you know, that's large part because I had a vision for it. It's nothing better seeing a vision come real. And I would add, Mark, too, that, yes, you always want to have your be, – be looking at the, 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 the destiny and the final point, but – Enjoy the journey somewhat oh, yeah. of the way, you know? Oh, listen, there are uh, – you, you tend to make in stressful situations with an entrepreneurial environment, tends, a good stress and bad stress tends to create stressful situations. You make much deeper friendships, much deeper connections with clients, much deeper connections than you do really at any other point in your life because, uh, because of that pressure you're under, kind of a shared idea. And it is enjoyable. It is those, those moments where you look back and say – Something didn't exist, now it exists, and I'm working hard toward that. And frankly, there's no other option to make that happen. It's really exciting stuff. Sort of like a roller coaster. You're going it up is, and down, and you're going, is. oh, my God, I hate this. This is horrible. <laughs> right. And then when the ride's over, man, that was the Back best line, thing uh, ever. My, uh, he's now 10, but I, the exact story of my, uh, when he was 5, I uh, sort of tricked him into riding the screen machine. And, uh and he, the whole time, was terrified. And as soon as we got off, there was no line that day he wrote got right back on it. That's funny how that so works. The entrepreneurship screen machine, I guess that's it. You, you just mentioned something. You said good stress and bad stress? Yeah. Give me an example of good stress. Well, you know, listen, good stress is the day somebody, uh, from an equity perspective, puts a bunch of money into you. It's a very good thing. It's stressful for a host of reasons. Okay. Is, uh, you've, you've taken out. Or... Um, you have more clients than you know what to do with, uh, or you're trying to service all your clients. Do I expand? Do I add? Do I have more people? What it is I need to do? It's stressful, but it's good. It's a good problem to have. Uh, you know, of course, a bad stress is, is, is look, look at making payroll and figuring that out or making sure you're capitalized enough or have an employee, key employee li leave or something about your technology deploying, not working. All those sorts of things happen, too. But uh, but stress is, you know, stress comes in many forms. I got, gotcha. <laughs> well, great stuff, Mark. I appreciate the conversation. Enjoyed you coming in today. Uh, for those that would like to find out more about M1 Strategic Capital or even reach out to you, what, what's the best way? So there are two ways. One is we have an 800 number, 800-273-7078, and you could just ask for me personally. I'm happy to talk to people who want to talk about this. Or you can visit our website at M-O-N-E-S-C. Dot com. Great. And have you found that uh, life's been a little bit better since Mark Pryor, the baseball player? Uh, is he even out of in, in baseball anymore? 
No, he's, he's, he's out of baseball. Out of baseball. So yeah. you, it's helped helped a little bit. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit less than it was, but it still get it. I got it the other day when I was getting my oil changed. The guy actually thought I was him and tried to have a conversation. <laughs> with him. I, I had to convince him I wasn't. Is that so bad stress or good stress? Just, dude, that's that's just comic stress. So. <laughs> there you go, Mark. Thank you very much, thank you. Mark Pryor with M1 Strategic Capital here on Beyond the Cupola. A reminder once again: you can listen to the show live at one o'clock every Thursday here on Business Radio X. But uh, if you can't listen live, no problem. You can listen to this episode or any of our previous shows by going to businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio, and you'll see the Oconee State Bank logo. Just click on the logo, and you'll see all the previous episodes from the last three and a half months. For Mark and my producer, Trey, I'm Mike, and we'll see you next time and experience Remarkable once again right here on Beyond the Cupola.